Hello and welcome to the Crossthread Off-Road Podcast, where we discuss what's happening in Minnesota with off-roading and the off-road world. I am your host, Mitch Mose. Hey, uh, thanks for coming, Brad, first off. But, uh, you know, when I was out there talking in, in Wheeling the last time out at Chuck's The Fall Run, I was just telling a few people about, hey, you know, I'm doing this podcast thing and, and I'd like to try to do it. And I was just kind of beginning stages of my, well, kind of later stages of the planning for it. And he said, you need to talk to Brad. So this is Brad. Brad, why don't you tell us about yourself a little bit. Your first, last name. I didn't even know your last name yet. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Mitch. So um, first of all, congratulations on this podcast. Very excited to be a part of it to spread the word of four-wheeling around the state of Minnesota, the Midwest, and hopefully much further and beyond. So I'm Brad Nelson. I've been a trail rider for the past, oh, I think it's 12 years, maybe a little bit more. Uh, there's another little funny story in that I actually went to the very first ever Minnesota trail riders meeting. Um, I've been four-wheeling, well, actually, excuse me, let me correct that. I have been off-roading since 1983. You remember a specific year, huh? Yeah. Actually, it was before I even had my license. It was driving a Volkswagen Buck. Okay. And then I was lucky enough to purchase a Jeep Wrangler in 1994 and just absolutely fell in love with trail riding. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of my background. I've... Um, I, you know, I've been an officer of the club. I've been a board member. I've been a Mon- Minnesota Four Wheel Drive Association board member. I participated in a rally we had down at the Capitol for MNOHB, a bunch of other little things here. Now we're going well. to touch base on those because one of the reasons when I heard about you and I sat down and talked to you with our little talk that we had on the phone the first time, just to know each other. Uh, can realize that we have a lot of things we could be talking about, but I want to talk today about the history of wheeling and a little bit about the trails. I really want to concentrate on the trails idea today and kind of get into that, but I want to hear about that first meeting ever that you were at. I want to hear what that meeting was like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty interesting. Um, so it was just a bunch of individuals getting together. They were starting a brand new club, and what they wanted is they wanted a real family-friendly club. Mm -hmm. They wanted a club where family was first. One of the things they decided at the beginning was it would be a fee for a family, not an individual. Like out at our fall run, we have one fee. We don't have a passenger fee because we want people to come out there. So that's what I really liked about that club. It was really enjoyable. Now, the funny thing is, is I attended a few more meetings after that, and they passed a bylaw that you actually need a running vehicle to become a club member, so that's because of me. <laughs> <laughs> I was. It, I mean, it's kind of famous that I took ten years to build my current Jeep. So I was without a Jeep for a little bit, kind of saving the nickels and pennies to put them together to to build the Jeep that I wanted to build. Real quick, what's the current build that you have? I have a 1977 CJ7. That the body CJ7, about half the frame CJ7. And then it's a 1991 Mustang motor that's slightly warmed over with an early Bronco C4 transfer case, Dana 60 up front, 14 volt in the rear. So this is my uh, third Jeep that I'm currently on, but I've been running this now for 20 years. Okay. Oh, actually, no, 22. Okay, so you've had that a while and been built it up. Okay, good. I think that's how a lot of guys' builds go. They buy something, they kind of, over time, they're definitely going to change a few things. Sounds like you changed a bunch of stuff. If you got Mustang motor here and 14 bolt and Dana 60, you kind of thought about what you wanted to do and built it up. And Did a couple of those build-ups come from something broke 
and then you say, well, I might as well upgrade it a bunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I, I was lucky enough to slowly upgrade and, you know, break the parts at spots where you could easily recover. But really, if you ask me where it started, is all the way back at that very first Jeep that I had. I had a 1991 Wrangler on 39.5 tires, super skinny, super small, and I would go off-roading by myself like crazy with 39 that. or 29 uh excuse me 20 uh 30 30 times 9.5 okay thank you for that question. Not 30 <laughs> like 39s those are some yeah. big tires but I'm, I'm... and we're back we were just discussing your jeep with the not 39 but 29 inch tires <laughs> so, yeah so tell us a little bit more about that i want to hear more about this jeep just kind of how you upgraded a couple different pieces so the very first jeep i had with those really tiny pizza cutter tires um, I did not make too many upgrades at all. I just got out there and I went four-wheeling with it. I uh, grew up as a hunter and I uh, was able to use this to drive to many different lands. And I would go scope out stuff ahead of time. And in one spot in particular, it was very, very difficult to get, uh, get to. It was highly grown over with a lot of weeds. So we wouldn't take my dad's truck down it because mm -hmm. it would scrape the sides of it too much. And next thing I knew... It was June, and I'm driving to check out the place where we're going to go hunting bird, you know, that uh, bird opener. So it was just crazy. I just found myself really liking this more and more. So I didn't do too many mods at first, but I started driving out there by myself quite a bit, which is a little bit dangerous. Then what I did slowly is I got a locker, just a very basic lunchbox locker, started airing down, which helped tremendously. Mm -hmm. And then I realized really soon that going out by your own, and there's a funny story with that, is not nearly as wise. So <laughs> I ended up looking around for a few different clubs, went to a couple different clubs, and I was lucky enough not to purchase too many things before I got into a club. In other words, I found other people that were interested in it. I didn't have any neighbors that were interested in it. So joining a few, jumping around to a few different clubs and then joining the Minnesota Trail Riders, and at the same time, this is when the forums really were starting to take off. We had mm -hmm. moved from a bulletin board subsystem that I was on in the 90s to a forum. It's actually Pirate 4x4. Um, I was lucky enough to be one of the first people on that site, and I asked a million questions. So that's the biggest advice I would say. Don't rush out and buy something. Find other people that are out there wheeling the same areas that you're wheeling and start asking them questions. What works? What doesn't work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think I got a group of friends that I'm with now, with one of them being my brother and a couple of my buddies, and we like to tease each other, jive each other. But uh, what's funny is we know what each other needs. And yeah. then one of the, well, I'm going to have a few of my friends on later on because uh, uh, one time you know, we're all looking for these 33-inch tires. We're all moving ourselves up to 33s and lockers, and so that's where we want to get to because I, I think I told you that's what most of the trails in Moab want you to be on, and you'll yeah. get to at least that level. And so one of them all of a sudden goes, hey, I found some uh, 33s uh, for sale on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. And the other one went and bought it real quick. And he got them. He put them on, loves them, just bolted right up. You awesome. know, he already had his two, two-and-a-half-inch lift. They bolted right up. And, and the same guy said, he, he, I knew he needed a top. He wanted to go back to a stock top because the, the one he bought, the aftermarket, the bolus one, he goes, he hated it. So, mm -hmm. And this is daily. And uh, I sent them out. He went and bought it right away. <laughs> the same guy, he, he's had us looking out for him. So it's kind of good to have a few of guys looking out for each other. You buy a couple of used parts. Because you buy a new part, you bring it home, it's used right away. So you, yeah. if you know you're going to go in the woods with it, you, sometimes buying a used is better. And so uh, we tend to look out for each other uh, for the, on, the, on the forum. So it's good to have a few buddies and shoot some ideas back and forth. And, and uh, so I love that part of it. So now... 
And you mentioned a couple times uh, you know, earlier on in the podcast that you had a chance to go down and talk to some people at the Capitol and, or to be an advocate for the trails that kind of help keep trails mm-hmm. open. I want to talk about that and maybe what we're doing right now and what we can do to help out with that piece. So tell me about what you've done in the past. Wonderful. So when I was a Minnesota Four-Wheel Drive Association board member, there's many opportunities to there's many opportunities to go down and and, and really voice your opinion and, and talk to them and help explain. We also in the past have had DNR events where we've had open houses where they're looking at different really different a um, forest areas, different trails that are out there and the individual counties are looking for input. So there's opportunities there. But really the biggest thing I would say is to go out to the Minnesota Four-Wheel Drive Association webpage or you could go to Blue Coalition or Tread Lightly, a few others, but the Minnesota Four-Wheel Drive Association really does activate, they send out emails to let you know when there is an opportunity for you to write a senator, write a representative or someone. And that's where you can really help out, is let them know that, that you're, you're really serious about this sport. In fact, the very first time I went down there and I had a chance to um, talk in front of a bunch of, in front of a big committee, I apologize, I forget the name of the committee. Mm-hmm. But she, the, the one individual, I'm pretty sure I changed her vote, she was shocked because I told her I got into four-wheeling because of hunting. You know, and that, that's why I had so much fun. And I went out there and I explained to her how not only at that time was I doing a lot of trail riding, but I was also doing a lot of trail riding hunting in different areas and stuff. And she thought those two were kind of separate. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun. So it's a chance to talk to these representatives. So, yeah, that's what I would say is, you know, check out the Minnesota Four-Wheel Drive Association webpage and get on their emailing list. Uh, she put it together. I mean, it's a dual purpose thing I- idea for me. I mean, we were out in my garage earlier looking at a couple, you know, a couple of my rigs and, you know, my truck is my hunting rig. Yeah. You know, that's why I had to put new tires on it. Well, I knew I was going to put new tires on it, but I put those on it because I know where I'm going and uh, what I'm going to do with it. And I had good luck with them before, so I went with the KO2s again. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my my trail truck, but I'd rather take my Jeep hunting, but I need to haul two kids and then stuff back. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'd like to take all of it out there. So that's interesting. So yeah, be a, be a part of the Minnesota Four Wheel Drive Association, uh, and I'm sure they have a great website, and I'm sure they have some good message boards. And we're gonna have more people from them in, hopefully, on this podcast in the future, because I want to be a part of those different communities, kind of bring it all together, and invite more people into those clubs too, because that's one of what I want to do here is just tell people about it. If they don't know about these clubs, and uh, they get their information from podcasts, maybe like this, that they can hear about those different clubs. So you were you off-roading 30 years ago. What was it like back then? Uh, what were the trails like? What was the community like back then? It was definitely a lot different back then. Um, the thing that really stands out to me the most is it, there wasn't big obstacles that you would drive to. It was more about kind of the journey and the destination. Mm-hmm. It was longer trails. It was driving to... Um, different areas and you would take you know a two three hour trip somewhere and the whole time you're driving you're literally driving off-road from one destination to another destination Uh, you'd pack lunch and if you had a nice scenic overlook you would stop and you would take a look it's now now it's more like you go to Gilbert which is a very large park we have and and it's awesome it's about 1500 acres about 500 of it is wheelable a little less and you can drive around that park pretty much the whole day if you don't really hit any obstacles and you can see the size of it 
back in the day what it used to be is it used to be you would go driving and literally there would be times where we would decide let's just drive north let's just drive east see where it takes us mm-hmm. and we literally would sometimes get people stuck what we would do is we would kind of pull a few people together and say all right you know bring with a tent in case someone gets too stuck and we have to camp overnight well it's kind of like overlanding is now yeah, yeah overlanding is uh, where a lot of money is spent, you know, what I'm watching on from the pre-SEMA stuff on uh, YouTube right now, I watch a ton of that stuff, and the money is, a lot of money going towards that. People really mm-hmm. like that. I don't know if there's more overlanders versus off-roaders, I think, you know, like what you and I might do, uh, but I, I still want to do a little bit of overlanding. Uh, the border to border trail is something that I want to go do. I, I know it's there now, people, it's just not marked. But I, that's a two-day trip. I want to go do it. I think it looks fun to do, just to do some camping and stop at different spots. And, and that's kind of what the overlanding piece is, is to camp and do those things. And uh, I just broke one of my rules, and my ding on my watch went off, so i got to fix that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's what the overlanding is. Uh, I'm going to have some people on with that. I have some a couple people I want to interview. If you know somebody, we'll talk. But uh, that community is just I think blown up the last few years. I never heard of it two years ago. Now yeah. Jeep named one of their gladiators the Overlander. Mm-hmm. They're really trying to get people towards that. So I think that's interesting to me. And uh, so we're going to talk more about that piece. And you know, I went. You know, you talked about going hunting. I took my truck out to Wyoming and went deer hunting. Oh, awesome! Um, yeah, I've been out there four or five times. Go to the same spot, and if I went out there with my brother. And one time he couldn't go because it, it was just he couldn't make it happen one year. So I was just I had to take my truck when my other brother, and my dad went. So I'm driving my pickup out in Wyoming, and it was so deep in snow. It was all I had to do was drive in the middle of the trees where the opening was because I knew that's where the road was. But I was pushing snow with my bumper, and so deep of snow, and I couldn't believe my truck could actually do it. I was so excited about it first off, but also I was worried that I was going to wreck my truck. I was like, is it going to get stuck out here? It snowed for four days. We had to leave early because it was snowing so bad. It was it was wow. just amazing how deep it was. And we, we had to light a huge campfire just to melt the camp so we could put a tent down. It was like one of those deals. And this is in October 12th, October 13th. You know, it's just we were way up 11,000 feet. And, and uh, it's just unbelievable. And that, we were on a road going by. I mean, the road was you know, oh, yeah. two, three feet down. But we were finding our the, the way out there that way. And so that's, that was the fun crossover. And, and there my dad always talked about the jeep trails that are out there because you can see them you know the trails that go up to these top these peaks you can see them and he goes that ah, that's only for a jeep so back in my mind i really wanted to have a jeep back even back then that was 15 years ago so so yeah so the, so would you say like you said you could just go north or go east so were, were there trails specific or was it just you're out in the wilderness or out in the public land there's really no trails back then or not even really the wilderness not even really public lands it was just open Mm-hmm. If it wasn't posted, as you know, you can't go off-road, back then you would just see trails. I mean, you, you would literally just drive 10 minutes out of the cities. I grew up in Maple Grove, mm-hmm. and literally I knew there were trails out in Maple Grove. In fact, there was a spot off of 169 and Bass Lake Road. It was a huge area known for four-wheeling. Now, I never took my vehicle there. It closed down just before I was able to get to that point. But I talked to a bunch of individuals that um, I've four-wheeled with before, and they talk about that place. They said, you'd get lost there. It was so big. We, you'd never guess it now. But, yeah. It's probably all houses or exactly. McMansions or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, so now we're going to kind of move on a little bit, kind of what's going on right now. I know you've been an advocate of trails. You've been doing this for a long time with uh, 
being part of different clubs, but kind of tell us the current state of trails in Minnesota and uh, kind of what you see, where we could take it from this point forward. Mm -hmm. Well, it's an exciting time for Minnesota because we're finally building more and more trails. Mm -hmm. And this is something I'm going to have to suggest for people if they want to know the current state to go out to the Minnesota Four-Wheel Drive Association webpage, look at some information. But what's really interesting to me is when I was a board member, we actually had a review of all of the state forests. And at the end of that review, we ended up looking at how many trails were just for trucks or Jeeps or OHVs rather than OR, or ORVs. What is it? Off-road vehicle, off-highway vehicle. Which one's just the Jeep? The off-road vehicle? Uh, OHV, off-highway vehicle. Well, depending on which state you're in, they call them different things. Yeah. <laughs> so in Minnesota, the Jeeps, the trucks, the buggies and stuff, at the end of that review, we had zero designated miles. Mm -hmm. Not a single designated mile. There was some shared miles, and it was something incredible, like 12 miles or whatever over the state. And that's when the DNR kind of realized, okay, we can't just say we tried, because obviously at zero miles we didn't. Since then, um, we have to get huge credit to the, um, oh, I'm pulling a blank on the, um, I should have wrote the notes down, but up north, the Masabi Mountain Trail, there's a local club up there that fought for that for 12 years before it was open. It was the first grant and aid trail. Our club, Minnesota Trail Riders, went up there, and it's on YouTube, you can take a look at it, and I purposely did not buy a sticker, an OHV sticker, until that trail was opened. And on that video, at the front of it, I'm putting on the OHV sticker on my Jeep because I was so proud that they had fought for that land, that they had fought for installing that trail, and that was the very first Grant and Aid trail. As you talked about earlier, we got the border-to-border -border trail that was really pushed heavily and still is by the Minnesota Four-Wheel Drive Association. Um, I was lucky enough to be part of a group where we went down, we looked at the Houston County originally, different land down there. Appleton has since come on board. So it, it's a it's really exciting time. We're actually starting to grow the trails and the opportunities in Minnesota. So yeah, this fall I had a chance to um, finally put together a group of guys and go up to Gilbert. It's the same guys that we're with. Uh, we all have TJ's slightly improved stock. Uh, we, all, we work ourselves up from the 30s, the 31s, 32s, 33s. And uh, met my brother up there. He came up the next morning and uh, we stayed in a hotel the night before, had some fun. And uh, he came up the next morning, so we had four TJ's out there. So uh, awesome. three of us have old ones and one has an old three. So they almost all look exactly the same because once one guy gets something, the other two or three are going to probably get the same thing not too far after. But uh, we got the Gilbert air down and hit the trails and one minute into it, I'm like, okay, this is really fun. You know, mm -hmm. I really like this. Uh, as a kid, I used to go to Spider Lake on my ATV until the ATV bit me a little bit. So now I don't do that anymore. But uh, but Gilbert was, when I went up there, I was just like, I was just blown away. I'm like, this is great. I mean, I wish there was more places like it. Uh, five minutes into the trail, I'm like, okay, this is, what I, this is what I wanted to see. I wanted to go there more. I wanted to go back the next weekend. And we had a, a total blast. They went to Chuck's Fall Run. I'm like, we went to places I've never seen before. I'm like, this is great. My buddies are like, this is even better than last weekend. We went two weeks in a row. I'm like, what well, if I go again next weekend? But I'm like, I better not. <laughs> I don't get in trouble with my wife. But the... Uh, the Gilbert trip, back to that a little bit, you could tell it was very well run. The, the gal came out and checked our vehicles. We had the right stickers we needed to go on that trail. Uh, and we got out there and they had the air up at the end. I mean, it was just, it was like a tr true park that you really wanted to go back to. You know, I, th I thought it was wonderful. 
and uh, it seems like some well, one person broke down and they got their not us but another group and they got their vehicle out and they're fixing it on a, by mm -hmm. the trailhead and uh, so there must be some is there some good uh, part shop up there I'm guessing well you have your typical um, part shop up there you know the uh, O'Reilly's I think there's a bumper to bumper um, so there's a good chance you can run over to Virginia and get the part that you need and they stock a little bit more than what a normal parts shop yeah. would have just because they know they've seen this uh, th they've seen people come over there and request it time and time again they don't have everything you need but yeah it actually works out uh, really well with Gilbert because you've got those core roads that are available right there so it's so easy to jump out of a difficult trail onto a core road. Um, I've even seen people take in like a truck and trailer if their vehicle's too broken down. Doesn't happen too often, but you know, it's, um, you know, you pick your own level of fun. And, you know, <laughs> as, as I often say sometimes when I'm trying something at Gilbert, you know, I'm either going to make it, I'm going to break it, or I'm going to get bored. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's true. I got plenty of st I mean, one story my buddy Wade, we were up at Trollhagen and he broke down and his tires were pointing. At each other basically yeah. and he he's like this isn't right <laughs> so he he broke something in his steering but he got it on the trail he got to go straight then he kind of limped it out of the woods and we got to the trailhead and we asked the people there we, we got there like yeah we we know to have more people on staff this weekend and and i think one of the, their big we have memorial day weekend i think it is the memorial mm -hmm. day deal and we have people 24 hours a day i'm like really he yeah. said we have some here all night because they're coming in all hours to get parts and it was i was blown away by that so um if you, it goes to show if you take care of the people close to those trails, they'll take care of you. Yes. And I was listening to some other guys on some other podcasts. They they only get gas right next to the trailhead because they want to support that gas station. Mm-hmm. You know, they get food out of that gas station or wherever they get right there because they want that gas station to be all about that trail. They want those local people to support those people. So I was kind of, you know, really excited about that when they had the part, exact part we needed. It was kind of a, you know, it also gave my buddy a chance to upgrade his steering. <laughs> so <laughs> he went to a heavy-duty steering. Good and I just put it. Obviously, since then, I went to the heavy-duty steering because I'm like, well, he broke something. I'm going to go ahead and upgrade mine while I have the whole front end tore apart. So. And, and real quick on top of that, there there are a few places. Um, Trollhagen's one of them. Another one was the Veterans Run down at Frontenac Falls where they do have tow trucks come mm -hmm. that will actually tow you out, put you at a spot out in the parking lot. So on the you know odd chance you do break, there is wonderful support there. And I do want to extend on what you said, like with picking up gas, that is something I do. I purposely drive to a location and find the closest gas station that I can to where we're four wheeling and I'll buy gas there. Every single Saturday, if I'm staying over and camping, which I just about 99% of the time, I always go out for dinner Saturday night and I make sure I'm wearing a four-wheeling shirt or mm -hmm. something to let them know that I'm there and supporting it and I always kind of make a mention of it as well because I think it's very important for us to let the community know that that's why we're showing up, that's why we're coming there. And then there's also, you know, if you can stop at the, you know, local uh, grocery store or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's something I will definitely be getting the habit of and last time I went wheeling I was a little worried because I was looking at my gas gauge while I was wheeling. I was like, wow, God, I'm almost out of gas, you know. But then I realized I'm on a hill. And oh, then yeah. when I went the other way, oh, gas tank's full. I magically back up to three quarters of the tank. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't figure out why I was running out of the gas. But it's because I was on different sides of the hill and the pickup wasn't there for it in the gas tank. So that's kind of uh, just hilarious to me that I was like, calling back to my buddies at the walkie-talkie say I'm out of gas we need to get out of here they're like well no problem we're back level again <laughs> yeah. so we have you know in our notes that we talked before we had a lot of things we we're gonna talk about 
but I really want to stick to the trails today. We're gonna, you and I are gonna get back together and talk more soon because uh, these other things we definitely want to get to. Uh, but so far, I mean, I'm, you know, I got into wheeling uh, about four years ago. I bought the Jeep and got right into wheeling. I come from the ATV world, mm-hmm. and the ATV world has a little more trails out there. Oh, for sure. For specific trails because yep. they're they can build them smaller. We know that you know Jeeps are a little bigger than four wheelers. And so, uh, but there's there's more trails there. But I think the more advocates we have for the, uh, the the Jeeps that are out there, or the Toyotas, even those other guys, you know, I don't want to use just a Jeep podcast. We're gonna be a little Jeep heavy. I understand that because that's what we ride. But I think we get more of those people excited, more of them out there, more of them kind of getting a hold of the senators, the congressmen, the representatives, and trying to push our ideas. I have a few more trails open, and then I I think. You know, back to the idea of you know buying gas at that gas station, bringing all-state people in, bringing the Wisconsin people yep. in, Iowa people in, and I'm going to talk to some people in Wisconsin. I'm going to talk to some people in South Dakota. Is my goal, and uh, and try to you know intermix a little bit because I want to see some things out in uh, North South Dakota. I want to be out there doing some wheeling in the Black uh, uh, Black Hills. <laughs> Black Hills. Yeah, I can't think right now. I was saying Black Grove. That's in my hometown, but Black Hills. And I want to see what else is out there because that's a part of the, the adventure is to go out there and see things. And uh, my son, who's playing Fortnite right now, he uh, wants to go fishing in all these areas. So that's the only reason he's going to come with because he knows I'll <laughs> drop him off a fishing hole sometime and go. And the little guy likes to do the hills that he likes coming with too. So good reason to get started. Yeah, yeah get the family guys out there. So, um, so one more thing, I believe once. Virginia opens up, which is right next to Gilbert, and that's going to be much larger. Um, actually, that's going to be about 3,000 acres, 1,500 of it is wheelable, so it's going to be about three times the size of Gilbert. So this is all news to me. Yeah, so this is a <laughs> brand new park that is going to be opening up. It has already been designated. We've been working on this for, boy, 15, 20 years. What's interesting is this is going to expand Gilbert to 3x the size we are really going to, with Masabi Mountain Trail, we're really going to turn that northern Minnesota area into a destination that really should attract people from all over the United States. This is about as hardcore rock crawling as you can find out there on the web. You know, if you're looking mm-hmm. at the rock bouncers, if you're looking at the hammers, you're looking at anything like that, I guarantee we can find stuff as difficult in those parks as you're seeing on any of those videos and still we're going to have a little more space now for people to drive around and we will have that variety of trail so you'll be able to drive the most basic stock jeep out there to the most extreme buggy as well so i really am excited where we're going to go with this park once virginia does officially open Wow, that's all news to me. Well, when I was up in Gilbert, I was pretty happy to have my just improved stock vehicle there. And I was, one guy shows up and he, he was on a little bit bigger tires. He was all locked up and he was hung up on a big old boulder. And this other gal was kind of pointing him out, kind of razzing him as he's going. And we're trying to figure it out. Finally, we just hooked on one of our Jeeps and yanked him off the boulder. And he was just up on his skid, you know, the pan. Yep. And I'm, I'm just looking at this gal and she's just kind of razzing him a lot and stuff and giving him a lot of grief. And I'm like, well, who's she riding with? You know, then, then we go up the hill a little bit and, and she jumps into the biggest buggy I've ever seen in my entire life, and she was driving. It was, I'm like, holy cow, she's she's getting after it. And it was yeah. it was on at least it had to be 45 inch tires in that ballpark, and it had some the biggest V8 I've heard in a long time. And it looked brand new. I mean, it was built to the hilt 
four wheel steer the whole nine yards. Wow. And I'm like, yeah. whoever she is, I got to talk to her someday. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Her story a little bit, but I've never seen her again. It's first time, first the last time I've ever seen this gal. And uh, but boy, she was she was serious about wheeling because uh, she was giving the guy a lot of. She had the right idea. But he didn't have the things that she had, <laughs> so I think she made that everything look easy up there. But when he, you know, some newer wheelers in a podcast or newer wheelers out there, you don't have to take those hard lines. There's other places to go, and you know, those, some of those offshoots are are there for those guys who want to take that. Uh, that's what I like about some of these areas. You don't always have to hit them. And I was rolling around there, and I got hung up, and and not in the same spot as the other guy, but I got hung up a little bit, and I needed a little tug off the off the rock and got mm-hmm. off the rock and kept going through the rocks. It was, it was, it was a blast, you know, but that's why you, that's why you get a, a winch on there. That's why you bring a buddy <laughs> to, exactly. to, to, to link up and stuff. So I'm excited to hear more about this Virginia thing when it, when it kind of comes to, you know, fruition and when it comes to reality, because uh, I want more trails. You know, yeah. I've been to the ones, all the ones you talked about, the only ones I've been to, and I want to go to more and I want to go to the North shore. I want to see more stuff up there. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> Not an ugly place. It's beautiful up there. And we went in the fall. We got some great pictures of it, my sons and I. Uh, my, my little guy, I should say, was the one who came with me. We had a great time with it. So I just, you know, if there's more, I want to see it. And and the overlanding crowd, I think, is going to want that, too, because they want to have that board-to-board trail. They want to have that destination there, too. They want to go to Duluth during the day and come back and camp. I think that's a big deal. And I'm definitely going to spend some nights up there next, uh, next spring and fall uh, just to kind of get out there more. I really enjoyed it. So, Yeah, it's a lot of fun going out there. Cool. Uh, well, Brad, I think that's where we're going to stop for today, and then we're going to talk more soon. So, Sounds good. But thanks for coming in, and and uh, and we're definitely going to talk more about off-roading, and we have some other things, pieces we're going to bring up, and the next time we meet, we're definitely going to talk about your, uh, your your program you have for new wheelers. We're going to talk about some winter wheeling uh, preparations, uh, and then kind of take it from there. So thanks a lot. Wonderful. Thank you, Mitch. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast, Crossred Off-Road. You can also go to Instagram, Crossred Off-Road. There's a tagline on that one. So you can go there and post some comments if you like. Uh, Just be nice. That's the only rule. And uh, next week we'll be back uh, talking to somebody new. Uh, Basically, we are enthusiasts talking to people who know what they're talking about. So that's what we're doing. Talk to you then.